This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. Hello, I'm Chris Brown, Fleet Group Editor at Bobbitt, and welcome to the next episode of Fast Forward Interview Series. Fast Forward is about connecting with leaders in fleet, tech, and automotive to show what the future holds for fleets of all types. In this episode, I interview Kristen Slanina. She's Managing Director of Charge Across America and also Chief Innovation Officer for Park My Fleet. Kristen will share learnings from Charge Across America, a cross-country race with five teams in five different EV models. There are a lot of takeaways for fleets on how drivers manage charging and how they interacted with their EVs. But before we begin, be sure to subscribe to the Fleet Forward YouTube channel so you don't miss future episodes of Fast Forward. And feel free to drop us a comment on the channel. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Kristen. Well, welcome to the next edition of Fast Forward. Thanks, Chris. I'm really happy to be here. Great. Well, to start off, Tell us a little bit about yourself and the mission of Charge Across America. So Charge Across America, it was a really fun thing for me to be managing director. And ironically, it was the 30th anniversary of when I was um, co-captain and driver of the MIT Solar Car team. So I felt like it was sort of almost destiny that I had to do this. And my solar car races, we did three races and uh, we ended up winning all three races, which made it even more fun. But that is what catapulted me into automotive. We wanted to have um, at least five teams to drive across country with two, two people in the car and really not only bring the ecosystem together, but how do we learn from this and get insights so that we can enable mass adoption? Okay, great. Well. As you know, I mean, we're all about fleets, corporate, commercial, government fleets, and they're really just beginning their electrification journey. So during Charge Across America, uh, you collected some invaluable data and real world feedback uh, in kind of a short amount of time. So real quick, just tell us um, the parameters of the race, and then we'll get into some of the findings. Yeah, that sounds great. So basically, New York to LA, we started at Rebels facility in New York and ended in Los Angeles at Westlake Autoscape. We had, so we had 10 days, we had the five vehicles, and I myself drove the Tesla every single mile, the 3,300 miles from wow. New York to LA. And uh, because I personally wanted to experience it as well, like on the road, I, I granted I did do a different infrastructure because all the five race vehicles to make it fair they were all non-Teslas, so they used all the non-Tesla infrastructure. But me being there and seeing firsthand what they experienced was extremely enlightening, as well as what I experienced in, in the Tesla with the different infrastructure. Okay, so, so you had a, was it a Model S or a 3 or? Model Y. A Model Y, okay. And what were the other uh, four vehicles? So we actually had two Porsche Taycans. We had a Mustang Mach-E. We had a Polestar. And we had a, an ID4. So let's get into it. I mean, um, you know, where do we start? 
driver interactions with the vehicles. You had seasoned drivers and those new to EVs. Is that true? Yeah. So we purposely wanted to. So we had two teams that were what I call seasoned drivers. And we had three teams that were really novices. And what we wanted to do is observe kind of that learning curve across those 10 days. And, you know, I have to say the, the day one, the start, uh, you know, definitely you could see them learning. They hadn't really understood about the apps that were available to give them ideas about, you know, where do they charge along this journey? And plus, to be fair, you know, we were giving different points based off of things. And I made sure that they were more strategic and efficient in their driving because when they clocked in and when they clocked out, their charging time was included in that clock in and clock out time. So like, you know, Chris, you and me, you know, we'd go, we could charge up at nighttime at the hotel and get a full charge for the next day, but none of those teams did it. So what we did in my mind is stress tested the system. I wanted to encourage efficiency and strategic decision-making. Because for me, it's my nerdy side, right? For me, that's what this race was about, not just about who's going to do the fastest time. And we had telematics in the car to ensure that there was no speeding. And, and, and also if there was any safety issues that we would know where people were. So. so what are some of the issues with charging and charging infrastructure that you see can come up now that you've had to access public charging? I mean, are there enough stations out there or? So one thing that we absolutely proved is that this is possible today. We did it, right? We had six electric cars do the same route, right? We did it. And one of the things that the drivers noticed in terms of the infrastructure is that, you know, obviously they're in a race. So there was frustration when they went up to a charger and it wasn't really putting the output that it was rated at. So if it's a 150 kilowatt charger, that's their expectation right? They're in a race, time is of the essence. So if they're only pulling 30, then they're like, well, this, this is bad. So then they go to another one. And, you know, so having consistency and of, of the, the chargers, you know, maintenance to make sure that they are maintained and that their output is what their stated output shows, not only on the, on the app itself, but on the actual charging unit. What percentage of times do you think that that happened um, where you had issues with the charger itself? I, I would say it was a very high percent of the time. Oh, really? The drivers okay. were frustrated. I would say it was about 40% of the time when the uh, it was not the, the kilowatt rating that it was supposed to be. Okay. And how long were the dwell times for charging? I mean, you needed to get back on the road. It was a race, right? Yes. So in majority of them, their strategy was to charge anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes. There was different strategies from the teams and different capabilities of the cars. So the two expert teams really had a good idea of that charging curve and where they would get their max charge. And then they would stop at the max charge and drive because they wanted to optimize their time in terms of charging. Now, what's interesting is that my three teams who really hadn't driven an EV, it was amazing how fast they really started feeling comfortable. About halfway through the race, they started, I'd say they feel, felt at one with their car. They were like, they liked their car now. They were getting the hang of it. 
They understood its limitations. You know, we had a couple people <laughs> who were pushing it to the limit and they were literally one rolled in to neutral with zero charge wow. left. So no one ran out of charge. <laughs> and we did oh. have one, the Porsche Taycan absolutely ran out of charge. He had misjudged oh. and he had to get a charge. So he had a 10 point deduction for that. Okay. Uh, that was on day two. So they learned, they learned. And when we had that big stretch from Colorado Springs to Durango, there's about 160 miles where there wasn't charging. And I let them all know because I said, you need to plan in advance for this because the only opportunity was that for them to get a tow. And that would have been really detrimental for them in the race. So, and okay, they all so, did it. They planned it and they yeah. did it. Was Colorado, was that stretch the longest stretch? Yes. It was. Okay, so 160 That was the longest miles. stretch with without the charging. Every day, we planned every day to be anywhere from a 300 to 350 mile duration of range. Okay. Day. And then to get extra points, we had some what we called extra credit stops. So did they want to spend the time and the, the charge to go get this extra credit points or not? That was okay. another strategic decision making that we had. And I mean, intuitively, I would think that most of which parts of the country would have more chargers. Um, did that play out where maybe stretches in the Midwest, there, there just wasn't enough of them? Or what do you think? So what, what they found is that, and part of the issue is we had five of them going the exact same route pretty much, you know, at the same time. So there were times when people would have to wait, they go to the charging and they didn't have enough charge left to go to another charger. So they wait, they had to wait because their other teammates had beat them to the charging. And what we did is we tried to have, well, we did have a two minute start, um, break between each of the, the vehicles leaving that morning to try to help disperse that a little bit. So the person who came in last the night before goes first in the morning. And then two minutes later, the person who was fourth goes second and on and on. Right. So strategically, what a lot of them would do is if you already knew you were going to be last, you would go and just charge up fully. Right. So you'd start your day, not only first, you get a two minute lead and you'd have a full charge. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we had, uh, you mentioned that Taycan, which is not a fleet vehicle, obviously, but it does uh, kind of set the bar pretty high in terms of its ability to accept the charge compared to the other vehicles. Can you expound on that? Yeah. So it's interesting that it did not win our race. So I just want to make note of that, Chris. But yes. So having best in class technology and knowing those use cases, because the Porsche Taycan had a 350 kilowatt capability in the battery. So just think you go to a 350 kilowatt charger, bam, you know, you're charged up lickety split. And so the other cars, let's say 150 kilowatt max charging, and then they get, let's say they find their 150 kilowatt charger, right? It's, it's a lot longer. And so People for mass adoption, in my opinion, it's got to be better. And I think, and I see so many opportunities for that, like the induction charging in the road, right? And let's, and that takes away the whole thing of having different connectors. We don't need different connectors, right? We don't have different gas nozzles for every different OEM <laughs> vehicle. Yeah, that's a really good point about connectors and gas nozzles and um, barriers to adoption. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, so best-in-class technology, and, and it can really make a difference with, with how long people have to wait 
and, you know, kind of their enjoyment of their car in general. Sure. And talking about maybe the vehicles themselves, I mean, we're talking about the take-in. Are there any other kind of takeaways or any other like kind of creature comforts that one vehicle may have had that the team's warmed up to or anything like that? You know, I have to say everyone really loved their vehicles. Um, So my experience driving driving the, uh, the Model Y, the Tesla, I felt that they did an excellent job with the in-vehicle app that talked, that walked me through my charging. So what I did is in the morning, I'd put in my in-destination point and it would tell me the two or potentially three chargers, superchargers that I would need to go to, as well as how long I should charge at each of them. Um, I just followed it and I didn't even use, I had of course other apps that, that I was ready to use but I found that I didn't need to use it and I trusted the car completely. What I found with the teams and talking to them is that they were using other apps on their phone to, in a sense, validate or even replace the in-vehicle charging recommendations. Interesting. So I see opportunities with OEMs to do a better job of incorporating that in the vehicle so that people don't have to worry about other apps. Sure. Well, we have kind of limited time left, but but please, uh, what what did we miss about the experience and the and the drivers before we wrap up? Um, so I think that the drivers they learned very quickly, and at the end of the race, they love their cars. We had one of them that now started a company and is creating an EV club in New Hampshire. So I think that's a great a great sign. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, the adoption or the learning curve was fairly quick. Kristen, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Fast Forward. Thank you. 